0: This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Kia ora and welcome to Creatively Wired. This
1: broadcast is on Free FM. and is also available wherever podcasts are found. Creatively Wired is a moment in time where we chat with artists about what makes them tick. We will explore the way they work, what they are thinking about, and the many varied nuances of the creative process. Make yourself comfortable and let's have a chat with some awesome people who are creatively wired.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another Creatively Wired episode. Um, today, Jeremy and myself are very pleased to be joined by Kate Powell. And Kate Powell is, um, we, we know as a writer um, of, about arts and about music, as well as being uh, a Hamilton local who, um, I think I can call you a Hamilton local. Um,
2: yeah, that's fair.
0: <laughs> so yeah, welcome, welcome to the show.
2: Kia ora, thank you for having me.
0: Um, So, maybe we can start off if if you can tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So, I've been a freelance arts writer and critic for the last eight years, um, and my publications have included the Waikato Times, Rip It Up magazine, New Zealand Herald, Big Idea, and um, a a bunch of other music mags, just to name a couple of of publications.
0: Awesome. And... um... Maybe just to set the scene a bit. If you can tell us a little bit about what what were some of the moments that led you to um, becoming uh, uh, an <laughs> arts writer? Have oh. you always been in, into writing?
2: Yeah. No. Um, so, art and and music have always been around me growing up. So my journey in the arts is sort of less about moments and more about the people in my life who, in, who have encouraged me to embrace my creativity. Um, I was really lucky to grow up in a house where there were books on the shelf and music on the stereo and art on the walls, and I never actually particularly felt pushed either way into reading or writing or art, but I was always naturally really drawn to it. Um, A lot of my family do have a creative side. So I spent a lot of my childhood just, like, mucking around with tapes and writing um, or, like, uh, directing elaborate plays or going to art galleries or museums and performances. Um, And also reading, of course, was a huge thing in my household. My parents always read to me. My grandmother, my mum's mum, was a huge influence on me. She encouraged me to, like, tell her stories a lot. And she was a very big part of stretching my imagination, particularly when it came to like constructing sentences and stuff like that. Um, And then when I was like eight or nine, uh, there was a weekly magazine that came out called Art Magic. And what it was, it was effectively just an art history mag for kids. And I guess in really broad strokes, it introduced me to the idea that art can be used as a lens to see and understand um, the world through, like the past, the present, and the future, which I found like really exciting. And um, then, of course, another really important figure in my development as a writer was my high school art history teacher, Peter Dornoff, who's um, a writer um, in the Waikato as well. And he was a really huge influence on me. Um, I was actually going through a lot of my essays. I managed to keep a bunch of them. Um And it's been quite interesting reading them back because I can see a lot of the kernels of my current voice in there, Um, mostly because Peter encouraged me to use, like, pop culture, fashion, music, humour, politics when writing about art and art history. Um, The reason for that was because it was accessible and reader-friendly without necessarily dumbing down the theory or ideas that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And... um, yeah, it was it was an approach that I definitely took with me to Vic, uh, Victoria University, and I studied art history and media studies and philosophy, and I did a post-grad uh, honours uh, in, in art history. And that was where, for the first time, I was really exposed to like art academia and the rigorousness of it. And I found myself really struck by how dry and convoluted so much of the art writing that I was reading was. And it was actually the complete opposite of what I knew art to be at that point. At that point, I sort of viewed art. And I when I talk about art, um, I, I talk about art in the broader sense. I talk about visual theatre, um, dance, music. So I'm using it in very sort of broad strokes. Yeah. But I, I saw it to be um, a really vibrant way to comment on society, to express um, either yourself or, like, a way to identify yourself. Um, and then during that time, um, I was also volunteering at the New Zealand Portrait Gallery and did, like, a little bit of writing. Um, I used to get a couple of reviews published in Salient, nothing super major, and it actually wasn't until, like, 2012 that I really considered journalism as as an actual, like, career path. Um, and that was because I discovered the Fairfax Media cadetship, which was effectively um, you get um, a free ride into a postgrad dip for journalism and then you um, are tied to a Fairfax Media uh, publication for two years. So you work with them for two years. Mm-hmm. So that's the trade-off. Um, and so I spent weeks on an application. Um, I was, like, really hyped for it. And then I actually got rejected um, first hurdle, and I found that quite annoying. Um so I so I emailed I emailed um these people uh, back being like, Hey, why didn't I get get in? Like I thought this was a good application. Can you please give me some feedback? Um and they must have liked my directness because um I was invited through to the next round and then eventually um I interviewed with Jonathan McKenzie. Who uh was, and I'm not sure if he still is, the editor for the Waikato Times. Mm-hmm. Um and we had a really great chat. Um and I ultimately ended up not getting the cadetship. But Jonathan was very, very kind and he told me if I ever wanted to sort of get into writing, to get in touch with him and he'll sort of see what he can do. Right. Um so I graduated with my art history honours degree, um, and I, I found myself back in Hamilton, um, quite like unexpectedly, the job market uh at that time wasn't particularly buoyant Um, so I returned um, home and um, I started working just as a visitor host at the Wakato Museum so I emailed Jonathan reintroducing myself and asking pretty much if they had space for a columnist writing about the arts because you know I'd just finished studying about it so I thought oh well I might as well just put this degree I have to use um and to his credit, he he um put me in touch with Deborah Sloan, who was the entertainment editor for the Waikato Times. Um and I started writing a biweekly column um about the arts uh while which I did on the side while I was working at the at the museum. And I was working under Deborah Sloan, um, who was yeah, a really fabulous woman and and mentor and really encouraged um my my writing. And um I found the museum to be a really fantastic place to get embedded within, like, Hamilton's creative fabric because I found myself meeting all sorts of creative people because, of course, in the arts, you've often got, you know, a day job or a bunch of, like, side hustles. Um, so I met uh, Joe, Joe Williams, who eventually got me involved with the Hamilton Fringe Festival, uh, Leatha Wilson, who's, of course, a curator, the arts curator at the Wakapa Museum, and she was always like very encouraging of my accessible approach to art writing and eventual like forays into curation. And of course, I met all you lot from <laughs> Creative Waikato and um, Draw Ink and Pilot. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent um, a year um, at the Waikato Museum, and just before um, in June, June or July 2014, I curated my first exhibition with the help of Draw Ink, which was a celebration of kitsch. Uh, then I shot off to London and spent a term studying art business at the Sotheby's Institute and travelling around Europe. And that was really fun. I, I um, created my entire uh, OE based around um, famous galleries and wanted to see very specific exhibitions. So um, after about four months, I came back to New Zealand and worked in the dealer gallery sector for a bit. Um, I was working at a seat for a time. Um, And during that time, my writing turned a lot more to music and I was writing quite heavily for Rip It Up magazine. And that was tons of fun. Um, You know, I I used to read Rip It Up when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. So that was a bit of a a dream come true. Um, Eventually, I decided I wanted to change um, tack in my career. So I moved back up to Auckland in 2016 to do a postgrad diploma in public relations. And because I was a poor student and I wanted to be entertained, I sort of kept up the music writing, because, you know, everyone loves free tickets. (laughs) Um, And so at the same time, uh, 2016, I curated my second show in Hamilton, A Fine Line, which celebrated contemporary uh, female Waikato artists. And um, after that, I sort of started working communications and public relations, which is what I'm in now, uh, but still writing on the side. And uh, one day, I think in 2017, I saw an article on The Big Idea, which complained about the lack of art critics in New Zealand, and um, that really um, irked me, because by that stage, I'd been writing for about five years, and I'd been writing for little, or more often than not, no pay. Uh, So, being a typical millennial, I wrote a very long rebuttal on my social media account, which a friend of mine read and suggests that I make public and tag the big idea in. Uh, and I did. And I don't often do that, but I was like, oh, you know, why not? They might see it. And um, they, they did. And they got in touch with me and asked me to write an opinion piece for them. And I, I guess it was well-received because I've been writing for them ever since. Uh, and that's sort of where I'm at right now.
0: Awesome. I love those all those moments you have of... Um... Not really just accepting how things are, but just saying, you know, like when you said, Hey, why didn't I get into this thing? or you, you know, you tagged in um the big idea and just kind of making stuff happen for yourself. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think it's definitely a um a theme of my journey <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better word, thus far.
0: I think that's the often the way that in the arts things happen, right? Is it's mm. it's not really a sit back and wait for it to come to you kind of world.
2: Mm. No, absolutely. You've got to grab it with both hands and, and make things happen. Um because, you know, the structures and the um sort of uh ideas holding up <laughs> the sector are, are, are quite rigid and and um you know they need shaking mm. quite a bit
0: <laughs> yeah nice, yeah. and I guess part of um the way that maybe you're shaking it is by taking a different approach to some in terms of you talk about you know that you saw lots of writing when you're um studying and you're thinking you know why is well, I'm paraphrasing you now, so correct me if I'm wrong. But you're mm. saying why is this stuff not accessible? And then you took the the route of um, wanting to make writing that could be, you know, easily accessed and understood. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a bit about about that of of the role of accessible writing and 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 the route you've chosen versus um, you know the role that that more academic approach takes? Yeah,
2: no, for sure. I mean. Uh, Yes, you you paraphrased me, um, yeah, very, very well. And um, for me, accessibility is super, um, super vital. Um, I think when it comes to arts and and art writing, um, it's it's really key. I mean, my my love, I, I write about the arts and stuff because, first and foremost I have an enthusiasm for the arts and, and the written word and I'm a very opinionated person um and and yes I I do believe that um yeah art should be accessible for everyone and there are certain types of art writing that can really like muddy the waters um and also although that style does have like a really important place in the arts ecology and and I don't want to take away from it um it's very really going to find its way into mainstream, into the mainstream media, or mainstream publications. <clears throat> and what that's doing is that's further perpetuating the idea that arts, the arts, is this like big mythical, really hard to understand sector, which it sh- simply just shouldn't be. Um, arts for everyone. Creativity is a really fundamental human need. Um, art is about storytelling and sharing ideas, and sharing self and um, I consider myself like really really privileged to be entrusted with people's stories and to be given like a platform to share them on um, and to highlight the diversity of New Zealand's art sector because it's not all about the artistic canon and that's what you get a lot in mainstream media you get oh there's a massive Colin McCann uh, retrospective and and that's not the be-all and end-all of art, um, it's not about says hit men. Um, you know, neither the art world or the world at large is sort of homogenous. And um, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping um, in my writing to make it uh, to write so that more people sort of see themselves reflected in the stories around art, and like in doing that and reading that are encouraged to explore the arts a bit more. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally, totally. And I think you know, in my experience. On one hand you've got this um these common narratives in the in the general public about, you know, I'm I, I don't really understand art or mm. it's sort of this other thing that that people are seem a bit weird into. Um, on the other hand, what I observe is sometimes when you when you make the art itself really accessible, like at the moment we've got giant glowing mushrooms out, mm. outside our um outside I saw those. Creative oh, Wake Wakanil- cool. Yeah. And, you know, things like that, people yeah. people absolutely love them and I don't think they then they put it in a different category or maybe they're just not really mm-hmm. thinking about it, but I think in a way you're doing the same thing. Is it's like um, it, it doesn't have to be this other thing. It can be something no. that, that is, is there for everyone, you know?
2: Absolutely. That's absolutely um, 100% what I'm trying to do. Um, yeah and and i i've I'm lucky you know i've I've studied art I've been surrounded by art, but I can totally understand if someone is is new to art how they can be outsided or othered because they don't see like maybe themselves reflected in an artistic canon or something is written in a way that doesn't resonate with them or doesn't you know that might use like ri- ridiculously large words and sort of floral sentences that you need, need a thesaurus to mm. <laughs> to translate and um once again there is a, there is space for that but um it's not what's going to get people through the doors of institutions necessarily, and and really actively engaging with the creative sector, in my opinion. Mm.
0: So it's about having that full range of approaches of writing to connect with different audiences where it's you know where it's appropriate. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things people fear, and I don't really know because I'm I'm so immersed in art that I'm only looking out from the yeah. the, the art bubble trying to make sense of the rest of the world rather than the other way around, but. I think mm. one of the things that people really fear when they think about art is this very other thing is that is that they it might make them feel stupid or that they might sort of do the Absolutely. wrong thing or say the wrong thing or you know yeah one
2: hundred percent i mean um one of my favorite pieces of art writing is e h Gombrokovich's the story of art, and it was written in the nineteen fifties and um it was written um in response to a letter that Gombrokovich received from his twelve year old nephew asking what art is. So it's written so that a twelve year old can understand it. And it's not dumbed down. It's not um it's it's very elegantly elegantly written um and, and explores big ideas and big art movements in a way that just makes sense and and is relatable and um easy to understand and that to me is like the pinnacle of good art writing mm. at least at least when you're dealing in the mainstream or um with large platforms and not necessarily writing to an audience that has a high knowledge of um art um uh you know the artist, the artist
0: world mm. that sounds fantastic mm. I, I... This might sound like a like a dumb question, but maybe it's not. Um, no, no such thing. There's <laughs> a dumb question. But why do you think it's important that people are able to to access the arts? So if, if, if writing is a way in for people yeah. into this arts world, you know, why, why does why does that matter?
2: Um, I think it matters, and I'm just gonna just thinking about 2020. I think. COVID's really shown us how vital the arts and music is to society at large's well-being. Like, we've known about it for a long time. Those studies are there that show, you know, 67% of people find that creating, like painting a picture, decreases their stress levels, for example. Mm. Um, and art accessibility of art is important because having a space with ideas and stories, like be it around like the creative process, or how a piece or um, happening sort of makes someone feel, it's really vital because it encourages more creativity, more engagement within the arts, and and it hopefully attracts a, a, as wide audience as possible.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so true.
2: <laughs> to talk about. Um, art or write about art um, be it telling stories or critiquing I mean that's like the, also the lifeblood of the creative sector as well because being able to critique well and to me that means like making your point without attacking an artist or the or the audience but also not necessarily just sort of skimming um skimming sort of surface level niceties, which is something that tends to happen a lot with uh, within the New Zealand sort of critical sector, what you're doing is you're also helping generate like a really healthy discourse and development of the arts sector like, at large, because not everything can be good. I'm not going to walk into a gallery or see a show, and I think that every single show or every piece of art is amazing. That's boring, and but that's also okay. You know, I don't want to like everything, because what that reflects is like a really, it's a truer, more authentic experience of art. Um, and and yeah, what it does is, is by talking about art in like a really relatable, honest way, it op- opens up the opportunity for like meaningful dialogue and elevates a much wider experience of art. Um, and its creators and, like, where it sits within New Zealand. So hopefully that what that would do by encouraging people to talk and to communicate about art in really accessible ways is that it will move the arts from the sidelines into the mainstream and, and, you know, we start having those mainstream discussions. Um, I think it was Jerry Saltz who said that being critical of art is a way of showing art respect. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
2: um, yeah, I really do agree with that sentiment.
0: Nice, yeah. Because, I, you know, definitely as a creator, creator of things, if, mm. if you show, you know, a, a work to a friend and they go, oh, that's nice, you, you really get nothing from that. Yeah. Um, sometimes a bit of criticism can, can definitely sting, but if you're able to take that on board, then that is gold in terms of development.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always said the worst reviews to write are reviews where I don't feel anything. Right. where it's it's very ambivalent. Like, I look at a piece and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Hmm. Because, you know, where do you go from there? If if a piece, if, if an artwork or a show um, makes me feel like I love it or I hate it, that's, you know, that's where the interesting sort of discourse happens. I think, um, and, and by having that discourse, having those sort of, difficult conversations, because let's face it, it's easier to read a positive review than a negative one or a positive article than a negative article. Um, By having that, you're sort of um, hopefully moving the sector away from less sort of it's an okay piece, it's middle of the ground, and really pushing those boundaries and encouraging um, artists and and makers to sort of step outside their comfort zone.
0: So, New Zealand's not a big place. Hamilton's tiny. Auckland's a small city compared, you know, mm-hmm. on a global scale. Does it ever get awkward that you're writing about these shows and then you know, you you bump into someone at an exhibition opening or you <laughs> you, you know their flatmate or something like? Is it it's a, yeah. it's a small world that we're in. Is it? Do you? I guess what what I'm also thinking is, do you feel restricted by that in terms of if you're being, you know, you've being really critical but then kind of like oh this is also my community yeah
2: i mean i've you know i've been writing for so long i'm sort of getting to the stage where i'm sort of circling back and interviewing people um who i interviewed maybe five years ago um and everyone i've spoken to i've been very lucky have been like really fairly decent and understand what I'm writing about and and like my my personal style is to not I'm never going to attack an artist or an individual mm. I'm going to comment and critique their work and I think there's a real fundamental difference that people can get quite confused by it's one thing to critique a work it's another thing to critique an individual and a person and, and make it a personal attack. Hmm,
0: that's um,
2: right. And because I, you know, I, I critique the output of the creative. I mean, yes, I've had people upset and I've had people, you know, complain to me um, about writing a negative review. I've been blacklisted from certain, um, <laughs> certain, <laughs> certain um, concerts promoters um right because i got too real um but (laughs) but you know i mean if they want if they want to live in that bubble i mean i'm i'm just one person with one opinion and one perspective and they can choose to take it or leave it you know yeah um a creative can choose to engage with it or not um so yeah does that answer your question
0: yeah totally Totally. And, you know, I think from what I've um, heard from quite a few creative people is that often if they get a review that is a bad review, Mm. um, that's kind of in in, um, inverted commas, um, they often immediately will, you know, kind of shut down a bit to it. But Mm. often or more often than not, I think people will come back to it when they're ready and are able to take on what's important from that, and then often realise that actually that review wasn't that bad. You know, it was actually, Mm. I think, if we're we're too sheltered, we we just hear all the nice things that people say to us at our exhibition openings or, you know, after Mm. after the gigs that we play or whatever. So we're not necessarily used to something that might be critical. I think think there's (laughs) a sort of, uh, uh, you know, whether that's... You know, rightly or wrongly, I think artists can have a thin skin, um, mm. but then you know the ones that will that will come back to that will will, will reap the benefits.
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, like I feel artists having a thin skin. I mean, I can understand why. You know, it is a very. I'm not a creator. You know, um, but I I understand when you put your heart and your soul into a piece. And someone comes along and says, "I don't like it," but these are the exact. This is exactly why I do not like this work. I can understand how that would would sting. Hmm. But I think um,
1: there's some, there's something good about the fact that you say these are the reasons why. If you yeah. just said I don't like always, that work, then, yeah, always. Then that's ultimately hmm. more problematic than saying I don't like this work for this reason. Then hmm. you, as the creator, can kind of be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I can see where that's coming from," or maybe. I don't necessarily agree with that for this reason. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you can once again it sort of stems back to um your sort of I mean, they could like I like I said earlier, they can ignore me, but also they can choose to take my comments on board and either push themselves or like sidestep or um, you know, even just keep doing what they're doing, because you know, I'm, I am but one person. Yeah. Um, but either way, you're still contributing to the development of the sector at large. Totally. I'm probably making myself sound much grander
0: than what I actually am. No, I think um, I, I, I think totally. If we think about it as a as an overall um, sector in itself, I think there's a massive contribution. Also, mm. I. I <laughs> I feel bad for calling artists thin-skinned. I don't think that's actually true. I think artists are some of the toughest people you know I know because otherwise they wouldn't be doing it. But I, yeah. think, I think it's more that I think sometimes um, accurate critique can find the gap in the armour, you know?
2: Mm. No, absolutely.
1: And so I, I guess from that perspective, you, you talk about just being one person. And, mm. and and having your opinions and they're based on on your experience and your training and your understanding of the art world and being able mm. to critique that is there an argument in there for more art writing and more critique providing a broader range of opinions because certain absolutely. things resonate with different people in different ways
2: absolutely absolutely yes and um I'm so glad you brought that up because i i've yeah i made yeah I, i've I wrote another I, I did write a little um update about um the need for um diversity in um the arts um in the art writing sort of sector as well. Um I think once again just using COVID as a as a sort of springboard to um to sort of explore my ideas. Um because I've been covering the impact of COVID on the arts um I feel like this global pandemic, it's really highlighted a lot of the issues that are really dear to my heart um, in the art sector. So diversity being a really um, big one and and we need more people of colour, more rainbow, more, you know, people with disabilities um, talking about, writing about, discussing art and what it means to them, what it means to their communities, um, telling the stories, Um, Absolutely, because the art world at the moment is, you know, pretty homogenous. And I I sort of said in my article I wrote for for you, um, COVID's a really great opportunity to take stock and to um, challenge the status quo of the creative sector. And I feel like getting um, a more diverse array of voices discussing arts and um, issues within the arts um is is one way in which it can be um sort of reworked the the structure can be dismantled a bit, and also that diversity of course does need to start happening up the top as well mm. um in the you know within the people making uh decisions about where the sector is going at large mm. and who's getting the funding
0: Yeah. what do you think the barriers are to to seeing that diversity? Sorry. What do you think the barriers are to us realising that diversity at all those levels?
2: (sighs) That's a really big question.
0: (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you might have to edit this one. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I think there are very, very deep-seated issues and power structures um, that prop up the art world. At large, I'm talking globally, you know, we've got colonialism, we've got racism, we've got homophobia, you know, we've got all of these sort of um, microaggressions um, that um, are barriers to, you know, so many people. And I think beginning to dismantle those is is um, a really uh, key way to sort of start doing that.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and that, uh, yeah, and that I, that was a a particularly huge question, which could, you know, probably lend itself to a whole um, series of podcasts on its I was own. I to say that's, that's a <laughs> podcast,
2: that, that is yeah, that is a podcast in of itself, and and you know also, I'm very aware that I'm speaking from a a position of privilege as well. The fact that I'm a Pakeha, you know, cis woman who is you know who is tertiary educated in art and in art history, you know, I'm 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 looking at um I'm looking at it through a, a in a position of privilege and um and I'm hyper aware of that privilege and um a lot of my writing is um trying to use my platform for, for good and and um lifting up Voices that might not necessarily be heard because you know they're not necessarily your Colin McCann or your, mm. um, you know, very well funded uh person living in Epsom with you know the from the bank of mum and dad. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So just shifting gear a little bit, um, mm. I i'm thinking that with your the work you do and your unique um perspective you probably uh, you know that you you probably see quite a wide view of what's happening in the arts more so than a lot of artists who might kind of dwell more in their niche of their art form do yeah. you have a, a a sense of the kind of thinking about the Waikato particularly yeah of the kind of key changes or trends or things that make Waikato creative scenes, I'll use the, the plural because there's a lot of different things happening. Yeah, for sure. What makes that unique or interesting or, or what it is? Yeah,
2: I do have a lot of thoughts on that one. I mean, like, to me, um, and I wrote an article about the, the Waikato art scene for The Big Idea, and, and to me the Waikato has always had a really healthy inclusive experimental and really exciting sector and what I've seen um at least since um I arrived back in Hamilton as an adult um that the wider artistic community within New Zealand um are just beginning to sit up and take notice of what's going on in Hamilton um so there's been a change but there's not been a change if that makes sense (laughs) um Mm. and and what I'm really liking is I'm seeing, like, a real pride um, in artists, like, saying that they're from Hamilton, which is really cool. Um, To me, also, there's been, um, there's always been, like, a real DIY um, aspect to the Waikato art scenes, Um, so that's right through from, like, when I was in high school, there was a huge, like, punk scene and a lot of, um, you know, underage venues what do you call them all ages venues Mm -hmm. um all over the place and um that sort of as an adult um i saw that a lot with um draw ink and a lot of the exhibition skin room Mm -hmm. um through there as well but what i love and and what i find really unique about the waikato is if you're enthusiastic about the arts um there is a community and they're willing and able to help you like achieve what you want to achieve um, I feel like in, like, bigger cities, you have to spend, like, decades cleaning glasses at the right galleries or have, like, <laughs> half a dozen master's degrees, like, just to get your work on the wall. And and what I really like about the Waikato is here you're only as good as your last project. Here there's a real sense of, like, your actions um, and your integrity um, speak a lot louder than, than words. And that's really refreshing. Um, I love the quirkiness and the weirdness and the willingness to stretch boundaries around here. I get a real sense with the Waikato that there's they're not, like, indebted to the status quo, um, and that's really exciting. And then from, like, uh, a, a sort of who's making this, the decisions, who's at the helm, um, I really love that so many of the decision makers and, and creators um, in this the sort of movements are being championed by Um, Wemix, um because of course uh, the arts and other sectors, you know, are so dominated by, by men. Mm, mm.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and do you see, I don't know if I want to say weaknesses, but do you, do you see some, some challenges still that need to be overcome in, in the Waikato for the arts? Look, I think
2: it's bigger. I think it's bigger than the Waikato. I think it's it's a perception thing. I think that's shifting. Hmm. I mean, people tend to forget that, like, twenty or thirty years ago, um, Wellington was, you know, this city of like grey suits and bureaucracy and and pencil pushing. It takes time to shift perceptions, yeah. and I think um, it's yeah. So it's not a weakness of the Waikato specifically um that i'm seeing it's it's just waiting for the world to catch up. <laughs> mm.
0: No, I, I couldn't agree more and uh, you know i mm. regularly talk to people who uh you know either people i know who have come coming to hamilton maybe for the first time or mm. for the first time in you know in years or international travelers who mm. who who don't have any of those um you know existing ideas at all who are just getting blown away by, you know, the stuff that is happening.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, I, I'm the same. I, I bring friends down when we're not on lockdown or, or whatever. And, and yeah, they're constantly blown away by the calibre, um, of people creating of the exhibitions on display of the music scene, you know, there's, there's a lot to offer the, the food also, you know, that, that, um what kind of food seems lovely mm. um yeah there's there's a lot to offer here
1: mm. is is there a kind of central question or purpose that you keep kind of coming back to and looking at from different angles or is it more um developed through like a commission to write on a specific subject
0: i think it
2: it depends on the work on 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 if i'm being you know if i if i'm a Assigned a piece, or if I am pitching a piece, Um, speaking in like really broad strokes, I'm always interested in in the why, and getting into the nitty gritty and and discovering or unearthing like the drive um, or the or the key ideas behind a piece. Um, When I'm writing specifically, I'm always interested in um, challenging the status quo pushing boundaries discovering newness um i don't want my articles to sort of just say the same thing as everyone else um you know i'm wanting to i'm wanting to look at things in new and fresh ways so that's like often um in the in the back of my head
1: It's mm. really interesting it's really interesting there seems to also be a kind of um Philosophical approach where there's there's some deeper thinking that's going alongside oh. that new, that newness and kind of unpacking um, details and making connections that may not have been made before and I think that that's what's really fascinating is there a, a particular process you go through when developing that kind of work
2: when i'm like i'm usually sort of pitch i usually I sort of assign a piece i'm assigned a piece by my editor um and then, um, do you want do you want all the sort of boring bits, like you know when I'm how I interview and stuff like that, like, um, or are you wanting broad strokes? What, what are you? I think
1: broad strokes is is good.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, hmm, I'm trying to think
1: about that one. Um, I guess
2: so so broad. Hmm?
1: I guess it's coming from a, a place of trying to understand. I mean, there, there's a lot. To be said, and and you've been covering a lot of that as we've talked. But often, mm. with writing and writing for media, it's it's restricted to certain lengths, and there's only so much you can you can put in. So you've got to make some decisions. And when you're when you're coming at it from a place of unpacking newness and and thinking about things yeah. critically and creatively and philosophically, mm. there's a lot of potential detail and a lot of roads to travel down. And yeah. so how do you kind of unpack that? Sure. Okay. Thank you. Um,
2: Yeah. So, so I I do a lot of research um, and I I take a lot of notes. And when I interview, I interview very sort of open ended. I really like uh, sort of conversational interviews, uh, much like what we're having. Um, So I have a lot of stuff, um, a lot of, bits of paper, a lot of um, documents open before I write. And those sort of are where the germs of um, ideas begin to sort of percolate. Um, and I, I honestly, I just spend a lot of time just thinking and um, turning turning the information over, digesting it. And often I just sit with a cup of tea or I go for a walk, um, you know, um, I'm wearing sort of very comfortable clothes, and then when I write, I'm sort of curled up in a in a in a blanket. Um, yeah, for me, definitely the most difficult thing about writing is is starting because sometimes I can get very anxious figuring out what to say, uh, particularly if I feel the ideas are really big or tackle important issues. So giving myself the time and the space to breathe and think is a really vital part of my process. Um, and, and most of the time, once I've sort of started writing, I really stop until it's done. I, I get quite sort of feverish. I've spent many nights with a, a pot of coffee and a, a playlist for company. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so um, collaboration um, is, is another key part. Um, I often talk to friends or my partner um, about pieces or about um, what I'm writing about just to get those viewpoints and those angles that I might not not necessarily have thought about um, sort of in the mix as well so I, I I'm not one of I'm not a very solitary writer I'm very sort of engaged in wanting to get to the guts of things and and wanting to hear people's opinions so I can get a really full picture of what I'm writing about Does that make sense does yeah.
0: that make sense in the end <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. cool <laughs> what do you what do you think your your interest in art because you've grown up you know mm. being lucky that you're immersed in with art and music and you know you've had all these experiences what do you think that art teaches you about life?
2: I think what um, art has taught me about life is that um it's very uh, life is simultaneously really diverse, yet really rigid, um, really ugly, uh, but really beautiful, that you should use um, whatever platforms and privileges you have to lift people up, to live authentically, to radically challenge um, injustice when you see it or um, are exposed to it, uh, and to give yourself space to breathe and to be really fully present because I treat art galleries like churches.
1: That that is the best answer yeah. ever. <laughs> That's amazing. Mm. Um, that that idea of of having that kind of sense of reverence, but also engagement with that world, I think, is a kind of testament to your your um, understanding of the arts, mm. and I think it has. Some similarities to what you're talking about with your creative process in terms of allowing that time to to ruminate, that time to sit with a cup of tea, or to go for a walk, or to to just kind of immerse yeah. yourself in things and and take time to reflect. Um,
2: absolutely. It, I mean, writing it's it's writing is hard. People think that it's easy, and look, sometimes words just absolutely spill out of me, but often I I, I need to untangle my thoughts because writing is is hard and it is scary putting you know your thoughts down on paper and attaching your name to it, particularly, you know, when you're tackling big issues or talking about um uh, a topic that you find difficult to um articulate. Um so, so yeah, it's it's definitely um reverence is, is a good word.
0: Mm. I think you're right that people, people do underestimate what's involved in writing. I think there's a an idea that having you know basic literacy makes you a a, a good writer in the same way that people think having an yeah. iPhone makes you a photographer.' It's sort of uh, they don't quite see that the always the kind of extra levels that may actually make something great. Mm.
2: Yeah, no, for sure it's, it's definitely there are tears, and and that probably sounds a bit snooty.
0: Um, but, no, I don't think so.
2: Um yeah, not not everyone's a writer. Mm. Uh, not everyone um not everyone can string a sentence together.
0: Yeah. And and I think really hone in on the most important ideas to form an argument. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Um I feel like um we've not really talked much about music yet, and obviously you yeah. are a massive music fan. You started Absolutely. writing about music so as you said, so you can get free tickets, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure there's a lot more to it than just that. Do you want to tell us yeah. a little bit about music writing and and you know how how that is for you?
2: yeah, I mean once again, I feel like a lot of the stuff we've already talked about I bring into my music writing um it's pretty interesting being a female music critic um yeah um but it's it's really cool to be able to once again bring uh the issues and the creatives who um are doing stuff that is outside of the status quo and challenging um giving them more of a platform i'm actually working on a piece at the moment about like feminist punk and aotearoa so pretty hyped about that talking about the contenders oh, cool. um as one of them yep one of the artists so um yeah I, I mean music's probably like my first like real love um my dad used to be a well is a tenor uh so i grew up like surrounded by opera um and um i was a little little punk kid um in the mid 2000s punk and indie um so yeah um it's I've been really sort of uh lucky and fortunate to interview some really interesting people and um write about some really great shows that i've i've you know been privileged to see um yeah
1: awesome when when thinking about that um like writing about shows and mm-hmm. I guess looking at um this probably equally applies to exhibitions as it does to concerts. Mm. But when you're kind of looking at these critically and reflecting on them, are you thinking about it as the entire experience or are you thinking about individual moments within that experience? Good
2: question. I tend to think about um, the experience as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because um, as a whole, but also at the same time, the whole is not necessarily the sum of its parts. So, like a bit of a bit of both. Um, I definitely have overarching like feelings and thoughts at the top of my mind when I write, but often as I write, I find myself going down um, sort of quite specific moments or tracks or. Yeah so so it's a bit of both it's quite which sounds quite jumbled but I swear it turns out alright.
1: <laughs> well I think that makes sense because of Yeah. when you're thinking about a a concert it, it is a whole experience and it is a, mm. a thing that um takes you on a on a journey and, and unpacks a lot of things but then it's made up of a bunch of discrete moments and discrete moments yeah. that have different resonances with different people depending on how connected they are to a song, or where they first mm. heard it, or who they're with, and all of these things. So it's yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting thing to try and unpack. So, if, does that have parallels to how you think about an exhibition?
2: Yeah, yes, it does. Yeah, it's, uh, yes, in the short, in, yeah. in the short
0: answer. <laughs> mm. I, I guess an exhibition is made up of of moments of, you know, there's individual artworks. They have moments mm. within them as well, but then you'd be looking at how the overall show sits together and is presented. Absolutely.
2: And I think the difference in that, like, going to a show, like a gig, versus going to an art exhibition, you can return to it. You right. can return to an art exhibition, which so you can let those sort of feelings and ideas and thoughts sort of marinate whereas a show a gig it's very visceral
0: hmm.
2: oh I didn't want to use that word <laughs> but yeah, it's it's very it's ve- You've been talking about art writing and then talking about visceral that's my a, god it's a
0: classic <laughs> yeah
2: um yeah yeah but no it is so like I feel like my response to music is a lot rawer and a lot more like in the moment, like I do consider it, but of course, often when I write about a gig, I have to go home and turn around an article in an hour mm-hmm. or two, you know, two hours. So it's quite, it's quite different. But at the same time, you're sort of looking for similar things, but there's an urgency to it.
1: So it's much more time-based.
2: Hmm. For sure. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Which is a pretty, it's a boring measure to sort of, yeah. But yes, it is time-based. Mm. But,
0: and is it an emotional experience when you're writing these things, or is it more cerebral?
2: It can be very emotional. Hmm. Um, you know, um, yeah, there are, there are shows that like stick out to me, not necessarily because they're good, but because of like, you know, what was happening in my life, um, outside of that particular moment. Like, um, yeah, I feel like when you're writing about things, Immediately, you have to go off sort of gut emotion and feeling a bit more than sort of considered, you know, a considered art exhibition. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different way of critiquing and a different way of feeling and a different way of experiencing art.
0: Mm. And sometimes, I mean, I'd be interested in your perspective on, on this because it might be um not a real thing that I've, but I've decided it is. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> because often I feel like when I'm when I'm reading about art, Mm. or about music as well, actually, is that it it often really lacks emotional response. Almost as if, in certain circles, the emotions are valued much lower than the ideas. Whereas I think for for a lot of people, experiencing Mm. creativity is an emotional experience. I'd
2: agree with that. I think you're on the right track. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's
2: a good one. It's good thought.
1: Awesome. Well, we're coming to the end of the time here. I wonder if there are any kind of final thoughts you have around um anything that we've talked about or anything that we haven't talked about that um is relevant within the world of art and music writing and and what that means for the art sector as a whole.
2: Yeah. Um I think we have an opportunity, uh, to diversify, diversify our voices, diversify who's making, uh, decisions, um, in the wake of COVID. COVID's shown us how valuable, how much art is valued, um, in times of crisis. And I think, um, yeah, we've just got this very unique, opportunity and it would be a real shame to 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 waste it um and and I would encourage people to to read freely read art and art writers freely go to art exhibitions start questioning start challenging start having difficult conversations um yeah to anyone who's keen on writing art be critical you don't have to be nice that doesn't really it doesn't really support a, a robust um, and meaningful art sector be challenging and challenge and push push forward and push on always
0: mm, great messages and, uh, and just before we go, uh, if people want to check out your work, yes. um, I know you've mentioned a few of them, but maybe give us a rundown of, of where some recent pieces might be that people can check out or any. This is a chance for you to plug a website or anything like that?
2: No, sure. So um, I've got a couple of, if people want to follow me, I've got a couple of um, social media accounts. There's Kate Powell Writer on Instagram and on Facebook. So Powell, P-O-W-E-L-L. If they want to check out my writing, I'm writing most frequently frequently for The Big Idea. Um, I've got another couple of projects in the pipeline that I can't really talk about. But um, if you follow me on social media, you'll be able to find out more.
0: Awesome. That's great. Hey, so good to talk to you today, Kate. So lovely to talk. Lots of great ideas and um, nuggets of gold, and amongst um, that. And yeah, all all
1: super interesting. So thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us. This show has been broadcast on Free FM 89.0 and is brought to you by Creative Waikato.